0: Father, we ask that your word may be of blessing to us. We're grateful for your spirit's work in us. Uh, Glad for the confidence we can find in the gospel and that we are on firm footing when we stand in the word and stand on the promises of God. So may your word be of a blessing to us today as we receive it in anticipation, too, of the sacrament that speaks also to your gospel. We ask that you accept our prayers for the sake of Jesus. Amen. We're going to be turning in our Bibles to Psalm 112. And I think I'm also going to read the psalm before it, just because, as I mentioned in my message, I'm going to be saying, well, it's it's hard to read Psalm 112 without reading Psalm 111, so I'm going to do that. If it's hard to do it, then I better make it a point of doing it, because they're very much connected to each other. Our focus is on Psalm 112. So I'll start by reading Psalm 111, and then we'll read Psalm 112 as we carry on in our series on the fruit of the Spirit. We're up to kindness today, and we're talking about the blessed life of a gracious man out of Psalm 112. But let's read Psalm 111 too. Uh, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, in the company of the upright, in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. His praise endures forever. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He's gracious, merciful, and righteous. It's well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He'll be remembered forever. He's not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He's distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. May God's blessing be upon us as we've received his word and as we have it ministered this morning. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, I wonder if the boys and girls ever take a moment on a bright night and look up at what makes it bright, the full moon. They look up and they see that bright moon shining in the sky, and I wonder if they ever wonder, if you ever wonder, boys and girls, why that moon shines like that. You probably do know. It's because the sun is shining on it. And if it wasn't for the sun shining on it, you wouldn't see it. Uh, Whenever you see just a sliver of that that moon, where it's just, some people call it just a thumbnail. The reason why it's just a thumbnail that you see and not the big moon is because only a part of the sun is shining on it. The rest you can't see. And you know, boys and girls, that's the way it is with everybody. If God is shining on us, Everybody will be able to see it. You can't hide that. And we'll be reflecting God's light for everybody to see. But if God isn't shining on us, if we don't know God's glorious love in Christ, nobody will see God shining on us. Everything will be like darkness. And we're either one of those those two... Boys and girls, either we're, we're, we have the light of Jesus shining on us or we don't. And if we do, people will see us shining. And if we don't, well, there isn't much to see in our lives. And no matter what people do to try to draw attention to themselves, there's not much to see. God wants us to reflect the light of Christ's love, not the darkness. And we talk a little bit about that here in this psalm, these psalms. It's very difficult, as I mentioned, uh, to read this second psalm that we read without reading the first one that we read. They're called sister psalms a lot of times, and sometimes twin sister psalms because they have such a mirroring effect The one reflects the other. They're worded, they're the same, they're structured the same. And of course, that's all for purpose. And it fits our purpose as well this morning as we continue to look at the fruit of the Spirit and looking at kindness because that's the kind of man we're looking at in Psalm 112 a kind man, a gracious man. And he's gracious because of his reverence for the Lord, gracious because he's reflecting the Lord. Uh, And and a, a grace that results in a rewarding life that endures. Blessed is this man. And blessed are you if you can see yourself in this man. A man that ultimately is found, of course, in the person of Jesus Christ. But it's the life, the blessed life of a gracious man that is certainly one of reverence. It's reverence reflection, reward that we're looking at. Why is this person kind? Well, there's different reasons for this. We're going to talk about those. This is one of the reasons. I mean, what's he after? Why is he like this? You ever come up to somebody that way sometimes that they're they're all of a sudden offering you the world? Well, they're going to do you a favor Maybe you know the person, maybe you don't know the person. But there may be, in the back of your mind, a, a wonder about what is the angle of this person? What's he trying to get by doing? Why is he being so kind to me? Why is he so interested in me? You know, sometimes you can go into a store, right, and all of a sudden, You've just met your best buddy that you never met before in your life. Well, you find out why, because, you know, they're trying to sell you a new phone plan or they're trying to sell you uh, some kind of subscription to something. And, oh, now you know why they're so happy to see you who they've never met before in their life. Well, think about this, this person here. What's, what's he trying to get? Why is he so kind? Well, there's a primary reason why. Now, think about, when you're, think about this too a moment. You're, you're, think about a person who's working outside and is calling. He has a job that takes him outside, and it's getting hot. It's the summer, and it's starting to get really hot, and he's, and he's working hard, and he decides to take his shirt off. Now, somebody might come to him and ask, him, well, what is it that you do for a living, and why do you do it? Well, I do this for a living. Well, why do you do it? Well, he might say because he's skilled at what he does, he likes what he does, he, he wants to support his family, he wants to support the church, he wants to be generous, he likes the sense of accomplishment that he gets from what he does, but he most likely won't say that the reason that he's doing what he's doing is because he wants to get a tan, because that's way down the line. That's... That's secondary. That's a, by the way, that might happen, but that's not why I do what I do. Well, why does the righteous man, the kind man, live his life the way he lives it? Now, there's reward for the godly man, to be sure, but that's not the main reason. He does it because, as our pastor says, he fears the Lord. He delights in his commands. He delights in it. God is holy and just, and he isn't to be taken taken lightly. He's, not to be take, he's to be taken seriously. He's awesome. He's not supposed to be crossed. He's supposed to be upheld in honor, in praise, and, and in everything the person's doing. That's why. God needs to always be considered, not first of all because of the goodies that one gets, but because this is my Lord. I respect the word of my God. I don't ignore it. I don't take it or leave it. I revere my God. And I'm not going to live as if God doesn't care what I do. I'm going to live in the presence of the holiness of my God where all I do and say and think are laid bare before Him. and I don't miss that. I understand that. That's that's, And that's how the kind man is going to live. Not like he's king but that God is. And that's how you and I are supposed to live as well. But but, but says the psalmist, just in case we think that we do this, grinding our teeth and, and dragging our feet and mumbling all the way, we're called to delight in his command. And why is that? Because you can count on his words. If I believe, I will not perish in what he has to say. Doing what he says is the loving thing to do. And when we ponder his word, we see how precious it is. More precious than gold, sweeter than honey, a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. You know, every time that I've I've lived in Iowa, I've always thought about the sunsets and the sunrises and how admirable those are, how wonderful they are. And, And it makes you praise God just looking at them. And when we, when we witness those, we, we, we ooh and we awe ah, and we say, isn't God wonderful for creating those things? And, and, you know, that's a good thing that we act like that, because that's what the psalm says we should do. We're to be mindful if we look at, in various portions of, of this word that we've read, that the works of, of the Lord are great. And they're studied by all who delight in that. Go to Psalm 111, verse 2. We take delight in the works of the Lord, His creation, His recreation of us in Jesus Christ. But then in the same vein, we're supposed to take delight in His commands as well. And and that's, that's something that the kind, gracious man does. He delights in His commandments. He delights in the works of God, but he also delights in the Word of God that we see in our psalm. We want to do that more and more, to get out of this duty idea to the delight idea. So both are our calling, right? We have a duty to the Lord, but we're to have a delight for the Lord. We've got a duty to fear the Lord, but we're also called to have delight in His command. We're to love the good and hate the evil. We should should because God is good, and therefore we should know that when He commands, He's going to command good things for us and good results. They're not meant for our burden. It's not burdensome to have but one God. Wouldn't you think that that would just simplify our lives? Instead of trying to have more than one. It's not a burden to have God decide uh, how things should be and just let Him be the one. It becomes a burden when we try to figure things out on our own and we try to do them apart from Him. That's when it gets complicated. It's not a burden to honor God's name. It's a delight. But it becomes a burden for us when we, we try to make promoting our name first. And it certainly becomes a burden when we dishonor the name of the Lord Almighty. We, we put burdens on ourselves. God doesn't do that. We put them on ourselves when we don't delight in Him. The blessed life is the life where in reverence to the Lord, we, we delight in the Lord's commands. And we're to confess that Jesus Christ, who is the truly blessed man, showed this blessed life of reverence for His Father and for our salvation. He delighted in that. And where did that lead Him? And where does that lead us? When we know Him. No wonder we want to be like Him. And and because of Him, we want to walk in that reverence and that delight ourselves. Look where it led Jesus. Look where it will lead us. And and that really, when we talk about this reverence and this delight, it really leads us into our second point that's talking about reflection, a reflection of God, a reflection of Christ. Delight in kindness never really comes unless we realize that not only are we to be reverent, but we're also to be reflective. And and you see a lot of that here between Psalm 111 and 112. You know, there are a lot of people who are religious in their outlook, but not for the right reason. Because they've forgotten their calling to be reflective of the gracious covenant, Lord. And that's why Psalm 111 is so important to read alongside of Psalm 112. Because Psalm 112 reflects Psalm 111. Psalm 111 speaks about the gracious, steadfast, just covenant God who deserves our praise. And then Psalm 112 talks about the gracious, steadfast, just covenant member. And what he's doing that way, of course, is he's reflecting his covenant God and what the covenant God is doing for him. God is being gracious, steadfast, and just to him. We're to be gracious, steadfast, just in reflection of him. You see in that reflection that he's he's gracious. He doesn't hoard his money. He lends, he scatters his gifts to the poor, like a farmer casts his seed to sow for a harvest of righteousness. His hand is open and is therefore therefore able to sow generously. If he's afraid to open his hand to be Because he doesn't want to give up the seed. It's going to result in a poor harvest, isn't it? But he's not worried about losing his money. Because he knows that he won't lose his money by giving it away. It sounds odd. It sounds like a paradox. It sounds like a contradiction. But he'll gain it back. He'll gain it back in blessing from God, and he'll gain it back by seeing how that money is going to benefit the person or the cause to whom he's giving it. And that's the fruit of kindness, isn't it? It's giving benevolently. It's giving graciously. And and it doesn't have to be money, of course. It can be time. It can be effort. It can be prayers that people give. And not that because God has so graciously given to us? You know, that's the attitude of the kind man. That's the attitude of you and me if we've been in the light and we've shown the light of, of, of God's benevolence has shown upon us in Jesus Christ. And who after all? Who after all has given to us like Jesus Christ has in his kindness? as he has given himself a ransom for many, of which we are going to be celebrating here in just a moment through the communion supper. A kind man also reflects God of, uh, by being steadfast. He's not afraid of bad news. In verse 7, his heart is firm and trusts in the Lord. God is faithful. We read in verse 8 of Psalm 111, God's precepts are steadfast. They're established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. The kind man, the gracious man, is not going to stop being that way just because dark days approach. He's not going to do that because people have treated him poorly. He's not going to do that because dark days have arrived. And he's not going to do that because he's heard bad news. And who better than Christ that way when you think about how he suffered long for us? Again, we we point out that fact that long-suffering next to kindness is not coincidence. right? If you find in your lives that you continue to be kind in the midst of darkness, in the midst of bad news. Thank God for that. Because He's at work in you. The very one who is steadfast in working in your life is steadfast. Is working steadfastness in your life. So you don't stop being kind just because others haven't been kind to you. Christ wasn't going to be that person who was going to stop being kind for his people as he endured the cross, as he saw it coming. He's not going to be afraid, this gracious man, this steadfast man. He's not going to be afraid to lose his power and his wealth and his place because he's not resting on his power and his wealth and his place. He's resting on the Lord. And that man's not immune to trouble. Life isn't easy, but he's got his hope and trust in in the Lord on whose word he can depend. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Jesus saw that himself, right? For the joys that were set before him, he endured the cross. And why did he do that? Because he was steadfast in his trust in the Lord and he was steadfast in his kindness for his people. There's a way out of the darkness and out of the temptations and the trials. And that's part of why the righteous man, the blessed man, the gracious man, the kind man takes delight in the commandments of the Lord because he shows the way out. He shows the solution. He gives the answer. They're profitable. They're there's always hope when you follow the word of the Lord. And there's there's an end that will lead to the end of all opposition anyway. So the passage is saying, stay steadfast, stay faithful, because God's word is, and and God is, and we've seen that Christ has been that way. And it includes staying kind. Also to be just, the kind man's just, and 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 in this he reflects. He reflects God. Psalm one, eleven, seven. the works of his hands are faithful and just. And this is how the kind man is in verse 5 of Psalm 112. It's well that the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. He's going to stay kind and not be unjust because God has promised to be just and is just in dealing with him and his enemies. He's not going to let money and the blessings that he has had corrupt him. Now he could. Money can come before the right thing. Money can come first and God second in the business world. Money can be used to win people over, to bribe them. Money can be used to get the things in this world that bring pleasure contrary to the word. Money can just destroy that way. It can be used to treat employees like dirt. But the righteous man is going to say, look how justly God has dealt with me and how he will. And he did that through his son on the cross, but, but, but look beyond that. He is just. He's always dealing with me in accordance with his righteous ends. The works of his hands are truth and justice. He never pulls the wool over my eyes or pulls the rug under out from under my feet he always lets me know through his commandments what I need to know when it comes to living my life. He's someone I can always trust because my God is just to that very day the Lord to this very day the Lord is dealing justly with me he can do no other. So am I going to act any differently to others? I might might if I focus more on what people do to me rather than what God does for me. Am I going to misuse the means that he's provided me for unjust gains? I will not because if I do, I'm not reflecting the justice of my God and neither would you. Gracious, steadfast, just, both of the ways the kind man reflects his God. If you're not reflecting this God, then do you know him? If not, then it's time to turn for forgiveness to Jesus Christ, who's the truly kind one. So you can know his light, so you can reflect it. Well, the the life of the kind man is reverent and it's reflecting and it's rewarding. The psalmist mentions various rewards for the kind man. He mentions this life and the life to come. And he contrasts them to the wicked who don't trust the Lord, those who, who don't reflect the kindness of the Lord, those whose life isn't reverent. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house. His righteousness endures forever. The wicked doesn't get that. They gnash their teeth and melt away, and the desire of the wicked perish. So he mentions here, you know, children, wealth, honor. And some people say, well, I know some godly people who've never had children. Or have never been wealthy and are only despised by people. And that's true. It could be that the emphasis here was in the Old Testament covenant, but Jesus also said that material gain would not be out of bounds for the kind person in the Lord. What may we say then? Well, we say what the Bible says, that we do reap what we sow. If we don't delight in the Lord's commandments, we will also reap what we sow. If we do, we will also reap what we sow. And maybe it'll be that you'll be prosperous materially because you worked hard. And there's nothing wrong with that. In our society, people want to demonize people because they have things, simply because they have things. But maybe they worked hard for what they have. And then we beatify poor people just because they're poor, and maybe they're poor because they didn't work. It doesn't mean that they're poor because they didn't work. It might be for other reasons. But people are so easy to... To beatify the one and demonize the other. But the, but the prosperity might be of the spiritual variety. Maybe there will be peace in your home. Uh, 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 because you're working together not as a family that says, well, it's, it's the parents against the kids or it's the wife against the husband, but it's the family against the devil. It's the, the godly against the devil. It's those in the family in Christ against the devil and against evil. That's the kind of opposition you want and that's the kind of peace that you'd want to have as you're united in the Lord Jesus. Maybe it's the peace of a clear conscience, but however it may be in your life or in the life to come, the, the kind life is an honorable life. It's a rewarding life. You never have to regret it. And that's what we learn from the pathetic situation of the wicked. They're supposed to delight in the Lord's commands, but but instead they're longing for their own sinful ends to pan pan out, and they won't. They melt away. Because there's no benevolence, and there's no reverence, and there's no joy in reflecting God's grace. And, and, And such wickedness ends in futility. It's the very opposite of the blessing that the kind man receives, whose righteousness endures forever. You see, kindness lasts. Tonight we're going to talk about storing up treasures in heaven where there's no decay or destruction. So we can talk more about that then. But but this world is going to be destroyed one day, but our kindness, touched by the Lord's grace, never will be. It endures forever. And that's rewarding to know. Displaying kindness is always worthwhile. Because though the act might end, its impact and reward never do. So you don't want to ever stop being kind or stop being generous. You think about what God's generosity has done for you in Jesus, the kind one. And how lasting of an impact that kindness has had. Your generosity is going to last a whole lot longer than your money will. Now you may never know how beneficial your kindness might be to somebody. But you can know that its benefit will last. What kind of life is the life of the kind man? Well, it's the life of Christ. Reverent, reflecting, rewarding. May such kind fruit be seen in us as we walk through life so that people will be able to say, you know what, there goes a man, there goes a woman, there goes a child that has been touched by the lasting kindness of the Lord and his Christ who provides us eternal life. And as he does that, we can be kind. And that kindness, too, can have a lasting effect. What good news for us in our lives. Let's uh, finish up with, uh, as we finish up this sermon right now, we're going to be going on to, looking at the celebration of the lord's supper in just a moment but let's let's pray to God for uh, the the blessing that his uh, message is for us today father we want to thank you for Jesus who has carried out the reverent reflective and rewarding life and we're grateful for what he has accomplished for us that he truly has been this one whose righteousness endures forever. But Lord, even seeing what Jesus has been able to be in terms of his kindness toward us, what reasons for us to live reverently, reflectively, and in a rewarding way, honorable way, in our lives through the fruit of kindness. May that show forth, Lord, in our lives so that people will see what's shining in our lives, the kindness, the the lasting kindness of God in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.